0: to the podcast, it's the Nolan Podcast from National Oil & Lube News, I'm the editor Matt Hudson. We've got an excellent show for you today, we're talking about diesel engine oils and the technology and new standards behind them. We're happy to have uh, on the show Greg Matheson, who is a commercial lubricants product manager for Lubrizol Corporation, which uh, among other things is a developer of additive technology that goes into uh, engine oils. More specifically, today we're talking about the latest uh, specifications uh, under uh, the American Petroleum Institute standards, and that is CK4 and FA4 for uh, diesel engine oils. The latter service category there, FA4, is a new one for this uh, latest round of service categories released by API, and Greg does a really great job of breaking down the uh, rigorous testing and development that went to... Uh, Coming out with these new standards and what that means for engine oils and uh, what I found really interesting is how the heavy-duty and diesel engine oil Sector really parallels some of the changes we've seen in the you know passenger car uh, and gasoline engine uh, oil categories, so I think it was a really interesting conversation. We're really glad to have them on so I hope you enjoy. So I want to welcome Greg Matheson from Lubrizol to this episode of the Nolan podcast. Uh, We're going to be talking about some uh, diesel oil specifications, and uh, Lubrizol is well positioned to be kind of the uh, knowledgeable source of the technology behind these oils. So uh, welcome.
1: Thanks for having me, Matt. Yeah.
0: Um, So I did want to start by, uh, I guess, giving a bit of a recap, if you could, of the development of uh, the CK4 uh, diesel oil specification and the new FA4 uh, oil specification. Um, it's a few years old right now, but still doesn't have a lot of market share, is that right?
1: Yeah, man, so it's, it's interesting when you look at it. Um, when you look at kind of the history of HD lubricants in the North American market, uh, up until this latest generation of category, it was really a focus around durability and solely around protecting the engine and delivering the performance properties needed. But as as the industry started to look at the most recent category, which was PC11 or now API CK4, API FA4, uh, there there were some new dynamics that really started pushing the lubricants industry to look at the lubricants differently from what we have in the past. And so what we saw was uh, the engine manufacturers uh, recognize that there's changing regulatory landscapes, there's changing emissions uh, targets, you know, within the market. And, and it really pushed towards a need to not only have the durability and protection, but to also look at a, at a new level of performance, which is what FA4 is, that's guided more towards the efficiency and the fuel efficiency, and how can we, um, how can we reduce emissions, but also give the end users benefits by a a new oil that's designed to deliver these added efficiencies that really, from an HD perspective, we had not seen in the past. Uh, You saw this more on the PC side, the passenger car side, Mm -hmm. um, with with some of the the government targets of like 50 miles per gallon targets. You know, I I believe that's by like 2030, Uh, but now that's really kind of come into the commercial vehicle heavy duty space.
0: Yeah, and uh, you know, I know a little bit more about the passenger car side of things. And is it a, uh, you know, is it a good uh, similarity between the GF6A and GF6B? Uh, the latter being kind of the lower viscosity specification. Is it kind of a similar dichotomy in the diesel space?
1: Uh yeah, I, I think there's certainly some similarities there, and 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 I I must admit too, I I I have not spent much of my, my career on the, on the passenger car side. So, so we're kind of, we kind of have different viewpoints on that, but yeah, there are similarities because in general, when you look at CK four and FA four, you know, the viscosity grades are, are somewhat similar. Um, You know, the North American market uh, around 79% of the market is still using 15 W 40. But when you look at just over the history of the last decade or so, Um, all of the major heavy duty engine manufacturers have been factory filling with uh, 10W30 viscosity grades. And so as we went into this new category of performance and the development through the API process, um, you see with both CK4 and FA4, um, they, they both cover 1540 and 10W30 viscosity grades. But as you get into the FA4 performance, uh, you start to see five W30s. And you, and you, so you, you have this push for not only low viscosity, but there's another term that, that can, honestly can be a little uh, confusing for anybody to really understand. It. It's called high temperature, high shear, HTHS. Mm-hmm. And the best way that I can kind of explain this uh, that, that I think really resonates with, with anybody trying to understand it is if you HTHS, uh, when we look at CK4FA4, um, there's there's different HTHS thresholds that CK4 has and FA4, and with FA4 it's slightly lower, um, so it's 2.9 centipoise to 3.2 centipoise. Um, what that really means is those oils, uh, it it's less, it takes less power and less resistance for those oils to flow through that engine and through the components, and so that lower HTHS uh, offers those additional efficiency benefits uh, that you wouldn't normally see just from even the CK4 uh, version of it. Um, From a durability standpoint, they all go through the same testing. They all protect the engine the same way, Mm -hmm. uh, but it really comes back to with FA4, there's that added benefit that can translate into efficiency benefits for the end user.
0: Yeah. And, uh, you know, if there's one thing I learned from the passenger car space is that You get into those lower viscosities, the testing and performance, you know, remains at that high level, but uh, they really need to be kind of technologically advanced oils to be able to achieve that performance at such low viscosities. Um, So I I was curious to hear from from Lubrizol's perspective just about kind of the work it's done and and some of the, uh, uh, I guess, the technology behind uh, some of these oil and additive packages. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, really good, question Matt and, and as we look at you know the new categories of performance um, as, as you kind of mentioned you know the API category and the way the way any uh, ad, additive company or any oil marketer um, by the time that product reaches the market it has to go through a set uh, a set test uh, I, I guess I call it a set test matrix essentially. Um, so as part of this category, there's a wide variety of different tests that look at different performance functions from uh, just wear within the engine. Um, and it's looking at all the key components like pistons, uh, uh, engine liners, you know, camshaft. Um, there, so there's a wide variety of, of engine wear tests that have to be passed and there's limits on all of those tests that have to be hit to achieve the CK4FA4 API credential. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the new additions that came in at, uh, for, for, for this latest generation is oxidation control. Uh, there had been oxidation testing as part of the previous categories, but one of the things that really was recognized is if you look at the history of how engines have really changed in, in the heavy-duty market um, really over the last you know couple decades, Um, So you think about, you know, if you go back to like, probably like the early 2000s, you started seeing like turbocharging and raised top rings in the engines. Uh, And then we saw kind of exhaust gas recirculation, EGR come in. And and more lately, we started to see um, this focus around the emissions and the after treatment system. So you have like SCR, selective catalytic reduction and diesel particulate filters. All of these hardware changes started driving, uh, you know, changes that quite frankly, from a lubricant standpoint, we had to kind of up the game as a lubricants industry. Mm-hmm. So um, with PC-11, uh, there was an introduction of a new oxidation test that really um, upped the level of oxidation performance. So it, w- it was to really help prevent oxidation to occur within the engine. Uh, there, was, there was new limits added and some new testing added around, uh, the oil's resistance to aeration within the engine, as well as corrosion control and protection. And all of these changes in the oil uh, bring direct benefits back to the end user. So you think about from a wear standpoint, that helps you know, uh, a, a trucking fleet you know, essentially extend the life of that engine throughout you know, the, the period of time that they need it within their operation. Uh, you talk about you know, oxidation you know, control, that's really going to help prevent some of that corrosion I mentioned. And and depending on the application can have an effect on like the oil drain interval. Um, So all of these different performance criteria were things that the, uh, not just the lubricants industry, but also the equipment manufacturers came together on and, 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 and similar to Lubrizol and others in the market, we were very focused on how do we bring all of those benefits into our into our chemistries that are going to ultimately benefit the end users purchasing those oils in the market.
0: Yeah, and I know the uh, uh, the development process, both for the um, gasoline and the diesel engine oil, the new specifications was just a, a very long, very collaborative, and a really thorough process, from what I understand. Yes, you know if.
1: A good way to think of it is, you know, these these oils. Uh, the first licensing was at the end of 2016, and when we really look at it, the discussion around API CK4 and FA4 really started probably six seven years prior to that. Um, there's there's a there's a formal process that um, you know a, the API API goes through. And, and as you mentioned, Matt, it's, it's really a combination of all the stakeholders um, with, within the industry. And discussions start very early around, okay, what's the performance needs? Um, you know, what, what are, what's the key criteria that is essential? And, and one of the big things, too, that's always looked at is, you know, it, as, a, as a new category of performance comes out, you want to see that there's, there's, there's a reason for the change, right? And it's going to bring a benefit to the market as a whole. And so in most cases, these processes start, they take anywhere from five to seven, and in some cases, even longer when you look at it historically. Um, so there's a lot of effort that goes into it. And I think the other interesting point to, to bring up is by the time these products hit the market, there has been so much testing, uh, not just from like a Lubrizol standpoint, as we're formulating kind of the the chemistries that go into these oils that really help, you know, give them these performance criteria, Mm -hmm. but there's the engine testing we mentioned, there's bench testing that's done, and there's millions and millions of miles of real world field testing done before these products ever hit the market. So it really helps bring some of those assurances to to end users and all the stakeholders within the market that are buying, selling, you know, implementing these uh, lubricants into their fleets to have the confidence that they can deliver the performance that's being kind of tabbed and and marketed with these products.
0: Yeah. Um, So we kind of recap that long, thorough process to uh, get these oils to market. Um, Now that we're in 2021, uh, I was curious to ask you kind of where we are now seeing FA4 oils uh, appear? appear. What, what kinds of vehicles, what kinds of engines are we looking at?
1: Yeah, so w- when we look at the market, you know, and, and you mentioned this earlier, you know, predominantly most of the market is, is still using a CK4 level performance. And, and I think the first real step change we started to see over the last several years is we're seeing more and more uh, fleets start to move to the lower viscosity. So moving from 15 W40s to, to 10W30 uh, lubricants or in some cases even lower. And, and that's, a, that's a good natural progression. And when we look at FA4 specifically, it's still a very small percentage of the market, um, right around 1% of the market. And, and I think there's, there's some different reasons um, kind of why that's happened that, that we can get into. Um, but when we look as far as where are these products really being used today, uh, so there's, there's, there's some adoption by some of the, uh, equipment manufacturers. Uh, so Detroit diesel, for instance, uh, when CK four and F a four lubricants came out, uh, they were the first OEM to really get fully behind them as they have been factory filling with API F a Ford 10 w 30, um, really since 20, uh, the end of 2016 into 2017, when the oils came out and not only did Detroit diesel, uh, recommend the or factory fill, they're also uh, recommending the usage of FA4 in their engines going back to model year 2010 engine hardware. Mm-hmm. Um, Cummins has, has um, no other OEM is actually factory filling exclusively with FA4, but Cummins has come out and allowed it for both their uh, Cummins X-15 and X-12 engines Uh, and that's from Mile year 2017 and newer hardware. And then Navistar or what now international came out with a new engine, uh, the international a 26 back in 2017, and they are allowing the usage of FA four in that engine hardware as well. Hmm. Um, so, so really one of the, one of the challenges that, that will ultimately, uh, or one of the challenges that will, will potentially, um, bring FA4 to even wider adoption is some of the other OEMs coming out with official positions as far as can FA4 be used in their engines. And then a look back at that backwards compatibility to some of the older engine hardware in the market.
0: Okay. Um, So we, as far as like the types of vehicles we're talking about, obviously in the diesel space, um, trucking, uh, you know, semi-trucks is is Mm -hmm. huge as far as the types of vehicles we're talking about. Do you see a similar shift and what's kind of the landscape like in the, uh, you know, what I would call like a pickup truck uh, type of market for diesel? That,
1: that's, that's a really good question. And, and I think the markets, uh, the, the, there, there, are, there are some distinct differences in the markets and there's also some similarities. Um, s- some of those, the diesel pickup applications, uh, they're, they're starting to look in and in many cases they're, they're moving towards CK4 levels of performance. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so a lot of those more what, what maybe maybe a lot of folks have refer to as kind of like the, the lighter duty and, and maybe even at the lower end of like the medium duty, um, many of those are using CK-4 levels of performance. Um, I think what we'll start to see over time, especially tying back into the fuel efficiency piece, is that FA-4, um, there's a good chance that in, in those types of applications, there'll be more evaluation Uh, work done on that to see what are the benefits as you get into some of those smaller displacement diesel engines Mm -hmm. and and what, what do the fuel economy impacts look like? Um, You know, that's something that from a, um, from a, from a heavy duty standpoint. So when you, when you think about, you know, maybe displacement engines of like 11 liters or more. So like a lot of the commercial vehicle, you know, your class eight truck applications, are using like an 11 liter, 13 liter type engine. Uh, there's been a tremendous amount of work and, and studies done around the, the fuel efficiency value to those vehicles. Mm-hmm. Um, I do see over time that that's that will start to spin into those smaller displacement engines and applications.
0: Yeah, well, it's interesting in, in so many different ways. I, I often uh, find that you know heavy duty fleets uh, often are kind of the testing grounds for lots of new vehicle technologies. So. This is uh, no exception,
1: certainly. Yeah, agreed, agreed. And, and you know, it's, it's kind of interesting to note, too, Matt, you know, one, one, of the, one of the best examples that I think it's, it's a very reputable study that was done in the market um, was done by NACFI, the North American Council for Freight Efficiency. And what they did is they worked with a, a, a large group of uh, pretty, uh, pretty large trucking fleets here in the U.S., And they worked with suppliers and OEMs and they did a study around looking at some of the changes in those uh, more of those class eight applications um, of moving from, you know, kind of the more predominant oils at the time. So the 1540 CK fours down to some of the lower viscosities and then into FA four. And the data was pretty telling, you know, really what the data said was if you're using a 15 W40 CK four oil and you just move down in like viscosity, so move from like 1540 to a 10 or Mm 5W30CK4, you know, an end user stands to see somewhere between a half to one and a half percent fuel efficiency improvement in that application in their fleet. And then if you move from that 5 or 10W30 space and you move down to the 510W30FA4, you can stand to see another 0.4 to 0.7%. So what's really telling, and 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 I think this is especially something for um for for that for the 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 heavier duty commercial vehicle space, right? Those large displacement engines and those class eight vehicles. If if there's a fleet out there today running 1540 CK4 and they make the jump down to an FA4, there's potential for them to see just under a percent to upwards of 2.2% fuel efficiency improvement. And so if you start to do the, you know, the, 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 fi- the financial impact of that, and you look at the potential fuel savings, um, there can be some really uh, substantial um, impact, positive impact to the fleet's operations. And, and maybe the best part about it is there's really not a huge cost of implementation uh, for that fleet, right? It, it's just simply changing the engine oil. You're not sure. having to make a big capital investment you know as far as you know some other type of aerodynamic or fuel efficient technology um, it's just simply changing the oil that they're putting into the vehicle
0: excellent well uh, i think we might uh leave it there uh, it sounds like you could probably speak on uh diesel oil technology for a long time but we sure appreciate the background and it's really great information on uh, just the kind of rigor and and testing and and development that goes into these engine
1: oils. Well, thank you, Matt. I, I appreciate you having me on.